say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need another chance to be who you want. Hi everyone and welcome to a new direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh, can I just tell you right now? Special show. I know they're all special, right? But no, no, you don't understand. I've got Michael Oden with me, right? And he wrote this book, When Nobody's Home. Now, but listen, before you judge the title, don't. Because this is this is the why to your behavior, okay? Listen, we all do dumb things, right? Sometimes we are in the habit of doing the same dumb things over and over again. And and for some of us, it can it can look like an addiction. For other of us, it can look like just, just doing the same dumb bad habits over and over again. And we don't understand why we do that behavior. Well... We have a behavioral specialist with us today. His name is Michael Oden, and he has uh, literally studied thousands, near 10,000 uh, people, and has a program that has helped literally 85% of the people that he works with. And what I love about this book, well, I'll talk about what I love about this book, but the truth of the matter is what I love about this book, When Nobody's Home, is this book is not for just people who... Uh, who are like drug dependent or alcohol dependent. This is people who literally, like you and me, we struggle and we didn't come from, you know, sometimes our homes did not give us all the emotional needs that we needed. And so he's got a great book out and this book is going to be really insightful. And you're going to love Michael. Michael is, he's funny, he's funny, but he's also incredibly serious. He's brilliant, by the way. And so you're going to really enjoy the book. But let's do what we do every week before we get started. And that is check in with you to see how you're doing in the four areas of your life. You know, I believe that we are four-part people. We are physical people, we are mental people, we're emotional people, and we're spiritual people. And so I like to ask you, you know, checking in every week, you know, on a scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding, five being somewhere in the middle average. How are you doing physically? You know, how are you feeling? You know, how's that? How are you, how, how's your body doing, right? Is, are, you, are you doing everything that you need to do to take care of your body? Right? I mean, are you the exercising, eating right, doing you know, doing those little simple things, right? What's that number for you between one and ten, right? And then the question I always ask you is, and I ask you this every week, all right, whatever that number is, how do you get to the next number? Right? I mean, what is it that you gotta do today to get yourself if you're physically a five, right? Average, right down the middle. How do you get yourself to a six? What do you need to change? What do you need to do? Can you start doing something right now physically, right? Can you get up, walk around? Can you maybe go out, do something? Can you be a little bit more active? Maybe you've left that gym membership just lapse a little too long and you need to get back in there. Or maybe it is you need to, you know, put the fork down. <laughs> maybe that's as simple as that. But what do you got to do to change what you need to do physically so you can get to the next number? All right, so you got your first number. Okay, second number is... How are you mentally, right? Same scale, 1 to 10, 1 miserable, 10 outstanding, 5 is average. How are you doing mentally? And you go, Jay, I, I don't know, mentally I feel like I'm fine. No, oh, no, no, no. What are you feeding your brain, right? What are the what are the things that you're feeding your brain? What is the information that you're taking? How are you growing your knowledge? How are you growing your wisdom? What are the things that you're consuming, right? Because we could consume bad things and good things just like we can good things and bad things when we eat. We can do the same thing for us when it comes to uh, our, our, our mental state, right? And we have two sides of the brain. We have a right side of the brain that's creative and, and fun and tries to come up and try to make things happen. And then we have this logical side that's very linear and, and very mathematical. You know, so we need to feed both halves of those brains. So what are you doing to feed the to feed your brain in the right way, right? And what do you need to change, right? So whatever that number is, if your number today is, well, Jay, you know, mentally I haven't really consumed very good information, and the truth is I'm not really reading, I'm not really doing anything, I'm just kind of letting the TV happen, right, instead of me really consuming. So what do you need to do to change that? You know, read a book, take up an instrument, maybe you learn a foreign language, whatever it may be. What do you need to do to make that change? So you got two numbers, right? You got your physical number, you got your mental number. And then third... What about your emotional number? And you go, emotionally? I thought that's mental. No, see, emotional is different, right? Emotional is how you feel and, and how, and we call it emotional quotients or emotion intelligence. And really, it really boils down to really a couple things. One is, how well are you able to control your emotions when you're under stress and bad things happen to you? And by the way, that's all intentional. And then the second piece to that is, how well are you able to connect or really relate or emotionally connect to other people around you? Because that's that's the other key is how well are you able to really tune in to other people emotionally? Because when you're doing that, right, because when we're able to tune into others, right, and we're really listening, 
right? And Michael's going to talk about really listening. When we're really listening to other people, we're actually relating to them on an emotional level, not just a mental level or not just a, uh, uh, you know, physically being in the presence. We're relating to them on an emotional level. So what do you, what do you have to do in order to improve your emotional intelligence or your emotional quotient, all right? So you've got three numbers, right? So far we've got a physical number, we've got a mental number, we've got an emotional number. How about your spiritual number? And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, the fact of the matter is there's some things we just can't explain with science. I know there's there's, there's there's all of you out there going, okay, we just can't explain it yet. No, I'm telling you that there is just some things we can't explain. You know, there's something about the soul. We, we say it all the time, like music will touch my soul or... You know, there's something that touches me that I can't explain and I don't understand it. Sometimes, you know, love is not a feeling. Love is something that's much greater and much bigger than that that we can't explain. And so that unexplainable that you have faith in, that you rely on to keep you centered, to keep you at peace, right? What are those things? It could be God. It could be karma. It, it, it could be nature. It, it, it could be meditation. It could be a variety of things. But what is that thing that brings you back to center, that gives you peace, that centers you back? That's the spiritual stuff that I'm talking about. And on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 miserable, 10 outstanding, 5 is average. How are you doing with that? Right? And, and, and you know, the question is, if it is God, how's that relationship going? You know, if it's nature, how's that going? Right? That's that's the question. And then what do you need to do to change that to get you to your next level? And, and you know, here's the thing. You know, your, your, your spiritual level, right, and your physical and your mental and emotional, all that, all those four pieces are like the legs of a chair. If they're off balance it's hard to sit in a chair and if it's too low it's also hard to sit in a chair so how can we bring the legs of your chair up so that you can sit in the right chair at the right height and be completely comfortable and that's the goal for all of us and speaking of somebody who is all about the goal for everybody else i want to introduce you to michael s odin he is the founder of final step international and needs and the needs based method michael is a retired deputy probation officer keynote speaker communication and behavioral expert personal and corporate coach and award-winning author. Michael's been successfully successful at helping men and women transform and improve their personal and professional lives since 1998 with an 85% success rate in behavior shift. He has advanced knowledge about how your communication style, behavior, and beliefs impact your performance and in your personal life and in the workplace. So ladies and gentlemen, and please welcome to the show, Michael S. Odin. Michael, welcome to A New Direction. Hey, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. You are so welcome. So I um we're gonna we're gonna get into this this book. I, I loved this book, by the way. I told you off air that you know, I read it twice because uh, I found that at first when I started reading it, and I wrote this in the Amazon review that will be available here for those people who are wondering where the Amazon review is if you can't find it right now because it usually shows up a couple days later. I, when I wrote the Amazon review, I said, you know, when I first read it, I wasn't sure. And then the, when I kept reading it, I go, oh my gosh, this book's for me. And I was like, you know what? There's a lot of pieces in my life that I recognize that I start doing those dumb things that are habitual. And I started realizing that, you know, if I go back to my childhood, that when I look at some of the things that there's sometimes I'm getting, every time. Every time I look at the stuff that I do that's stupid, you know, that I keep doing the, the same dumb thing over and over again, I have to realize that there's an emotional disconnect for me, and I'm using that, whatever that is, to um, to fulfill an emotional need. And and when I started to look at that, I started to realize, wow, and I got my aha moments. So this book, I know you wrote this book in terms of you know, at, from a probation officer, you, you, because you did all the study, but really this book is for everybody, right? Oh, yes, it is. It's, it's, we're all human. And that's one thing people need to remember. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care where you live, but our childhood has a huge impact on us. And depending how our childhood was presented to us, will dictate how we see ourselves and how we present ourselves in the future. And, you know, you, you've taken a lot of different, I, I found as a psychological professional, professional, I found that you took a lot of different, uh, not a lot, but you've taken a few different psychological approaches uh, into building this whole, this whole system that you've developed. And, right, we call it the needs method, right? This is what it's called, the needs, is that right? Do I got that right? Right, right. It's called the needs-based method. Needs-based method. Explain, explain for the yeah. listeners the the needs-based method, just to just to give them an overview. 
Well, everything we do is based on the need. Otherwise, we don't do it. So we're getting a need met. So I decided to, to define it as uh, finding the behavior, behind, sort of finding behavior behind the scene. We're uncovering your behavior to see why you do what you do. And the reason is, is because most people don't know why they do it, like you mentioned before, because they're so up, so up and close and personal to the action that you can't see it. My job is to pull you back and see what need is being met by you doing what you do. And once you find that out, you have a high propensity to change because you now understand why you're meeting that particular need. Do, do, you find, do you find that we sometimes just don't want to look back at our past? I, that is the number one fear I've had in, a lot of, in many of my clients. No one wants to look back because no one wants to realize that the main people in their lives who they looked up to as their heroes, hence the hero's journey, that they don't want to admit that they were unable to meet their needs as, as a parent or caretaker growing up, and it's very painful. I noticed that one of the things in this book that you do is, and matter of fact, I've been you know following you on LinkedIn, and by the way, you can follow Michael on LinkedIn and Twitter uh, as well. You can just look up Michael um, S. Odin, O-D-E-N, and uh, by the way, here for those people who are watching on Facebook Live, and I know you can't see it, and thank you, CastBox FM Live people, for being with us. Uh, the book's called When Nobody's Home, The Why to Your Behavior. Uh, but you can look Michael up and you can follow him on Twitter and also on Facebook and, and also on LinkedIn. And I've been following you recently. And one of the things I followed you is you've been talking a lot about the hero's journey. Because I, I, I really have found that that seems to be something that's really, really important to you and also as part of When Nobody's Home. Can you enlighten people? I know we're going to talk about it more in depth, but can you enlighten people onto the hero's journey and why that's so important to this book and to you? Yeah, yeah, the hero's journey is about, is really by Joseph Campbell, who, who studied almost 3,000 cultures, or no, about 1,800 cultures around the world. And they all had one thing in common, and that's the hero's journey. And that's the journey an individual takes in order to go full circle into discovering themselves, get rid, getting rid of bad habits, increasing good habits, finding out what your strengths are. And here's the main thing, and it's called the, the sixth step, it's called the supreme ordeal. Facing that thing in your life that has caused you pain, and, and cause you not to move forward and fulfill your potential. And once you get past that potential, then you go back, once, once you get past that supreme ordeal, you're able to get the reward and go back with the information you collected and start over again. And what that does, I use that because it's, a nice, it's easy to explain to somebody what we're going to do on our journey to get you whole again. I really, you know, I never thought about applying the hero's journey to you know, the idea of, okay, listen, whatever I'm dealing with, right, whatever my crud mm-hmm. is, my dark side, I, I sometimes call it the right. dark side, uh, uh, <laughs> right? I, well, I do. I mean, because, you know, here's the thing about the hero's journey. It is there any better example of a hero's journey in movies than Luke Skywalker dealing, having to go through everything he went through to finally dealing with his father and then becoming a Jedi, Jedi and making that come full circle? Is there anything, I, to me, that is the ultimate, like, you know, movie you know, movie trilogy of of the hero's journey, right? Oh, absolutely. Beautiful. Guess what? What you, what you just said epitomizes the movie industry. Every movie you see is about a hero's journey. Right. And, and, and the ones I can pick out are, are the, um, is it Neo? And what's, what's that movie called? The... But he holds the hand up and stops the bullets. Oh, oh, Matrix. Uh, Matrix. Yeah. Right, right, right. And then we have the ones with the golden rings with Frodo and right, Gandalf. Right, 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 right. Yeah, the 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 right, Lord yeah. of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, right, Lord, Lord of the Rings. Right. So those are perfect examples of a hero and what they need to do to get to their to where they have growth, empowerment, and they were, and you know they all return home. Yeah, you know, I just I really love that, and I really love because you know I. My big thing about any time that we ever write, you know, when an author writes a book on psychology and and benefits other people, one of the things that I always say is, you know, what how can you make it applicable? And I love the hero's journey that you use actually throughout this book to help us understand how how it is right. that you know this is how we're going to deal with whatever we've got to deal with, whether you know whatever the addiction is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I love. And and you notice in the hero's journey. You start out in the ordinary world, and right. and the first step is the refusal of the call because most people don't want to make that step to go. You know, I want to change, right. but I'm afraid to, 
and mm-hmm. something may push you into that direction that's, that keeps you going. And all of a sudden you meet your mentor who will guide you along this journey to where you need to go. And Michael Odin is that mentor. And we're going to talk to him right after we do this. You know what? Today's show is brought to you by, who else? Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. And they partner with business owners when it is time to sell their businesses. So when it's time to sell your business, contact the professionals at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. You can find their Facebook page, and you can find them on Twitter. You can find them on LinkedIn, but you can just go to nline.com. That's E-N-L-I-G-N.com. And also, Linda Craft and Team Realtors. It doesn't matter where you're at in the world. If you're looking for the right realtor, contact Linda Craft and her team. They can find you the right realtor that can help be the right expert to help you sell your home or buy your next home. Or if you happen to be in the Research Triangle Park area, that's Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, stop in and find out why they are the legends of customer service. And you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here with Michael Odin, and he is the author of this outstanding book, When Nobody's Home, the why to your behavior. So, Michael, let's just dig right in because there are some staggering statistics that I want to kind of get to here and, and what you wrote in this book. And I want to talk about the orphan child. I know that chapter one has some other things, but really this thing is about the orphaned, abandoned child. And I know that I'm going to have a lot of people say, well, I was never orphaned or abandoned. But there was a time in the 90s where we called these kids latchkey kids. Do you remember remember that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? The, yeah, there was no parent, that. there was no parent at home cuz you know, sometimes I hear people call the the parent these parents were called dinks uh, or well, some mm-hmm. were called dinks, but some had kids, right? Dinks are uh, double income right. no kids. But then a lot of these people had double incomes with kids, right? And they were and so yeah. but these there, there wasn't a parent at home or and and what you found is that what was happening was well I'll let you explain it. what happens when the child has no parent or at home and then we'll get into especially the father figure. Well, what happens the child begins to look a child looks for consistency from the caretaker. Are you going to be there when I need you to be there? When you get home from work? When I go to bed? When I wake up? And what happens is when they, when when the caretaker isn't there, then the child starts creating their own world asking themselves, is this something I'm doing? Is this something I did? Why aren't you there for me? So these are the things they hold on to. And these are the things that then what they will start doing is they will start looking elsewhere to get their need for attention, connection, validation met, and family. So the child is, is absent from those particular needs at that particular point in his life or her life. And so the journey begins on, well, who am I? And, who, and, and do you care? Do I matter? And will you listen? And this becomes, by the way, this becomes an issue because a lot of times I think people are going to think, uh, well, my dad, my dad and mom were together the whole time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people, that these young people's emotional needs were getting met, right? Just because they were. They- oh no, I, you're right. I get that all the time. Well, I had both parents. Then I asked this one, and I hear the here's one of the most popular phrases I hear. I had everything. And then it would tell me all the physical needs were met. Food, shelter, clothes, toys, cars, things of that nature. But we know what, what they never tell me is, what about connection? And then they give me a funny look. What do you mean connection? Well, did they talk to you? Did they bond with you? Was there, was there uh, physical affection? And then they start shaking their head. Then reality kicks in. And then they start realizing, wow, they were never there, even though they were in front of me. Right. Even though they, they, they were taking me to school or taking me places, they never connected with me. The only time they would connect with me if I got a C in a class. Right. But if they get straight A's, I had this from, from, the, from the kids on the hill. If I get straight A's, no one talks to me. But right. if I get a C or a D, then all hell breaks loose. But they see me. Right. And they notice me. Now, now, we, now we get our needs met tragically. Yeah, this is the interesting thing for me because when you wrote this book, you, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of times I think people want to jump to, oh, well, these are people who are low income people and you know these these people with lower incomes they're the ones with the problems but that's that's not your experience here your experience is oh, listen no. I, I listen i'm you you were dealing with <laughs> m- millionaire kids who had every advantage in the world and they still had to deal with their own issues 
Right. So, so watch this. When you say advantage, watch this. Be careful because it goes like this. And this is what I say. I get the rich kids on the hill, and I got the guys in county jail. The, and the rich kids on the hill, their fathers were producers of movies, big-time lawyers. Guess where, guess where they are all the time? They're gone. Right. Then you go down the, off the hill, and these guys, kids, their, their fathers are in jail. They're gone. Right. So they're both gone. Right. You just you get away with more stuff on the hill, and you get to do other things that you can't be seen. Where in the, where in the down in the hood, what right. you get is you're on the street now, joining a gang and doing your thing. But the, the problem is the same. Right. The problem is exactly the same, right? Because the, yes, it is. Because the, the, the thing is, if the parent is absent, the parent is absent. And if the parent is absent emotionally, it doesn't matter what your income bracket is. If the parent is absent emotionally, the things that you were talking about here in When Nobody's Home can still occur and do it occur. It still occurs. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, sir. We're human, and all we want is to be valued, heard, Loved and cared for. So I'm wondering. Where. You talk about in chapter two. You talk about the fatherless child and the importance of the father. Mm-hmm. Why is yeah. the father figure so important to the essence of mm-hmm. when nobody's home? Why is that? Why is it the father that you really put a well, put a lot of pressure on? It, it, it's because I had mostly male clients as a probation officer. I had all most of those ten thousand people were. Were, were male. I say about a few hundred were female. So I had female, and they were missing their fathers as well. And the father establishes the the, the, the not not the authority, but but the what they call the protector. Right. You know, the, the one who makes the family secure. Right. And what happens is, is because the boys. This is what happens to the boys. This is what I tell my clients. And this is why the girls do do better because the boys are looking for that person they're going to become. And when they hit the age of 8 to 10, they look around. That guy isn't there. They don't know who they're going to become. The women, the mother usually stays home and takes care of the child. So they have someone, so, so they know who, who they're going to become because they're still there. So they have that role model. And the boys look in their direction. There's nobody there. So they get lost and they're scrambling through life, joining gangs and doing all kinds of life-diminishing behavior in society. And that, so that's where, the, that's where the father comes in because especially for boys, because that's who they're going to become. And if you don't have it, then they're lost. Yeah, I found this I found this to be really, really intriguing. I just want to read some of these statistics that you uh, quoted in terms of fatherless um, fatherless children from fatherless homes. And, and we're not talking about fathers that were absent physically, um, uh, but were but were but we're talking about Fathers who are absent emotionally. So listen to this. Children from fatherless homes are, this is from Michael's book, by the way, five times more likely to commit suicide, 32 more time, thirty-two times more likely to run away, 20 times more likely to have some sort of behavioral disorder, 14 times more likely to commit rape, nine times more lack, likely to drop out of high school, 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substances, nine times more likely to end up in a state-operated institution, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison and then there was some there were some really staggering other pieces that i was just like what and it was like daughters of single parents are 53 percent more likely to marry as teenagers and 164 percent more likely to have a premarital birth and 92 percent more likely to to dissolve their own marriages michael these are staggering statistics i've I've seen them i've seen them come through my office for 20 years I mean, and to them, it's a normal way of living. It's a normal way of looking at the world, basically surviving it the best you can. What happens is we try to make up for what we didn't get as a kid. Right. If we get married, we think that, we think that person's going to solve our problem. If we have a baby, then that baby will love me. I get that from the right. women. You know, if, if I have this family, if I do these things, my life will be better, as opposed to looking back at the past about the people who were unable to be there for you, which are your caretakers. And we talked about this earlier in the show. Some people don't want to look. Yeah, and but I those think, who do look have an advantage. Yeah, right. We get in denial here, right? I mean, we just we just yeah. right. Which, by the way, denial for those people who are playing at home, the denial isn't my, ac- <laughs> uh, my, my <laughs> uh, if you my, my I have an acronym for denial that my wife gave me years, decades ago, and it is don't even know I am lying. Okay, that's that's nice. right. That's that's denial my, that my wife gave mm-hmm. 
and it's really true right because we don't even realize we're lying to our to our to ourselves because mm-hmm. you know the truth of the matter is even if we are in a marital situation and this is the thing that came that really struck me let's say you're married and let's say you know okay my I'm I'm married and I'm not happy but I'm not going to divorce my spouse so what is something that sometimes married couples do to try to feel like you know they'll go okay we're just going to have a baby right and right, it's right, right? Because, so they just have a baby in the marriage right because mm-hmm. the, the 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 you know the one person feels like I'm not being loved by my spouse so I'll get the child to love me and I'll right. try, I try to get my I'll try to get my needs met through this child, even though the marriage is intact. And it may and mm-hmm. you know on the outside it may look like it's great, but underneath it all, when you see the uh, what I would call the codependent relationship on the child, you go, there's something wrong with the marriage, mm-hmm. right? I mean that's my first yeah. that's my first my first indication is when you are so enmeshed with your children that you're. Mm-hmm. That you that you're that and though you tell me um my husband and I have a great marriage but you're so enmeshed with your child I don't believe you I, I don't I just don't yeah. be, I just don't believe it I just because you can't convince me that if your marriage was that great that you would be that enmeshed with your child and then what are you doing to the child in the process right yes and they're gonna pay for that yeah so this is the other side of the book that you don't come right out and talk about but I found to be absolutely intriguing and brilliant and that is if you look at this if you're currently a parent okay and and you listen to those statistics if you are currently a parent and you listen to the statistics that I just write off from Michael Oden's book uh, when nobody's home which by the way is available at Amazon Barnes and Noble and your favorite bookstore if they don't have it just tell them get it um, it's available it's also available Kindle as well but one of the things that just really, really struck me was, you know, what you're also saying in this book is how to be a better parent. That you're, you're also saying without saying it that, you know, you know, if you really want to have healthier children, you need to be there emotionally, not just physically. You can't just, you can't just supply the physical needs of your children and expect that to be good enough. You have to be there emotionally for your children. And I think that's the other side of this book that you don't come right out and say, but man, that really spoke to me. Yes, yes, because I'm, I'm working with a couple right now who, who are thinking about getting married, but they have so much to work on with those, those past um, experiences in childhood that in order for them to get married, said, we need to go down this road. Mm-hmm. And most people go through life not uncovering the pain of their childhood. So 90% of the population, I'm going to say, you know, conservatively, are go through life not understanding why they do what they do because of what happened to them in the past. And here, okay, so I know this is going to be a rabbit trail that we didn't plan on going down, but we're going to do it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do it anyway, <laughs> because this is the this is why I love the book so much because it made me. I mean, this book made me think hard, right? And and. And here's the thing is like if you don't as a parent, if you don't address your own emotional needs that didn't get met. Right. Right. And then you become a parent. What are you what are you going to be get? What can you actually give to your children? You're going you're going to make them pay for what you didn't get. Mm. And you're going to treat them probably the same way that you didn't like to be treated. So the cycle continues. That's pretty. That's it's that's pretty deep, man. Because yeah. I mean, it's 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 pretty deep. Because you know, as I think about this even further, I go, you know, I I know that people are going are yelling right now uh, at their you know radios and their <laughs> maybe their Facebook. <laughs> you know, they're yelling at me, going, "My family was just fine. My family was perfect. I don't know how dare you, you know." And I'm like, oh, we'll, we'll hold it here. You know, our parents weren't perfect. I mean, it's okay. It they weren't. You know, they did the best they could under the circumstances. It still doesn't mean that exactly. there aren't exactly right. I mean, there's still stuff we need to look at under the hood, right? Yeah. And so, so I'm gonna give you a response. When someone says I had the perfect life or the perfect childhood, ask this question. Please give me an example so we can get it off the table. Mm. Tell me how your life was perfect so we can move on. If all your needs were met and everything was great, then we're, then we're good. And 99.9%, I haven't heard one yet. 
So, I mean, because give, give us some. Give, okay, yeah, I want you to dig into this because I think this is really important. Because I, I think there are people who are listening in, going, "Well, my childhood was perfect." So, what would be? What are the typical responses that you get from people when you ask them that question? Um, they give me they give me a, a side look and they get start smearing at me. Some have cussed at me, and and I said, just even if listen, I'm not I'm not judging you. I just want you. I, we're seeking for all I'm doing is seeking the truth right. about your life. I'm not trying to be right or wrong, good or bad. Let's just seek right. the truth. So look back, think about it, and tell me what and tell me your life story. And then they all came back with something they didn't get, and it's usually the connection, bonding, right? right? And it's usually the validation. And it's usually the, predictability of the, the parent, those sorts of things. It's mm, awesome. When you get when you get well, when you get um, bombarded with, with physical needs of the, the toys and the things and the you know the cars and the stuff, then you do think life is pretty damn good. When you look when you when you're you know 20, 20, 10, 20 years later, life is good. Right. But was it really? And and, and I'm gonna give you this example because I had a client that was interviewing me and we help her with, her, with this marriage. She goes like this: I had a perfect life. Then I, I want, and I wanted to ask her if it was perfect. Then why do you continue to date a man who constantly cheats on you? Mm. Mm. So there's nothing on your side of the fence that we need to look at. Right. Ouch. Because that perfect life you created doesn't make sense if you're going to keep dating a man who's constantly cheating on you. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. Of course, you didn't hire me. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course she did. Of course she did, because you spoke truth. Yeah, right, because right, you again, spoke truth. I mean, she, right, because she because she would have to look at the real reason. Right, right. And that's scary. We talked about that earlier in the show. Right. Yeah. I lo- I I love this. By the way, uh, if you're just joining us, and thank you everybody who's watching and listening in on Facebook Live and. Uh, for the folks who are listening here on CastBox Live FM, we appreciate you tuning in. And, of course, everybody who is uh, joining us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and uh, all the hundreds of podcasts across the country. Thank you for doing that. And also to the folks at The Yoke 93.5 FM. And uh, thank you for joining us and listening into A New Direction. Uh, my name is Jay Izzo, and we're talking with uh, Michael Oden. He's author of this book, When Nobody's Home. And Michael Oden is brought to you by Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. And listen, do me a favor. When when you hear me say Inline Business Brokers and Advisors, listen, they sponsor the show. They they keep the show going. They make sure that they pay for everything. They've just been our sponsors from the very beginning. So like their Facebook page. Go out, reach out to them. Here, look, they have literally helped thousands of clients in the sale and purchase of businesses. So when it's time to sell your business, contact the professionals at Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. You can learn more by going to nline.com. That's E-N-L-I-G-N.com. And also Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You know what? They are located in Raleigh, but they can help you anywhere in the world. They can get the right expert to help you buy or sell your home. They're great. I will tell you this. They are known as the legends of customer service. You need to find out why. Go to lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here with Michael Oden, and we're talking through his book, When Nobody is Home, The Why to Your Behavior. And we've just, uh, as we left him, we were talking about why Michael got fired because he told the truth, and uh, <laughs> which is kind of funny, uh, but, but is also a reality. In the, you know, as a psychological professional myself, it's actually a reality that when we start telling people the truth, they don't want to hire us because when they think of a psychological professional as you and I are, Oftentimes, uh, people think that, oh, we're going to be this, you know, we're not, you know, we're going to just go, oh, it's okay, you know, we're just going to drag you along. And that's, that doesn't help anybody, right? I mean, the reality is it doesn't help anyone. And the reality is what helps people is when we address the true darkness of what we have on the dark side. And in in chapter three, you start talking about um, whole brain thinking. And you start identifying these four different modes of thinking. And I just kind of want to go through these because I, I found these to be incredibly interesting in whole brain thinking. You talk about the rational self. You talk about the safekeeping self, the experimental self. And then you talk about the feeling self. Why are these whole brain thinking models, why are they so important to uh, becoming whole and um, understanding the why to our behavior? 
well, when I when I became to understand more how people think and learn, and I, and I got certified in this uh, particular modality, I decided to apply it to my clients. Mm. And so the, this is why I put it in the book. This, I said, so think of the brain. Remember, you mentioned right brain, left brain, right? right. Yeah. So watch this. Now there's upper brain and lower brain. Right. The four quadrants. Gotcha. And each quadrant has a specific, we'll call it communication style. And you just mentioned them earlier, the, the analytical, safekeeping, emotional, right, and experimental. Right. So I noticed when a child comes from a traumatic home, right, I, I, always, I always go like this to my clients. I go like this. I say to myself, I say that, um, so did you have a brother or sister who was a year or four years younger or older than you? And did they see the same things you did? And they, they go, yeah. And what did they do with that same situation? Because you ended up in front of me on probation, yet your, other, your, your sibling decided to move out of the house, get a job, join the armor, do something different. Right. And when I, when I gave them my test of the whole brain, the ones who left home were left brain. They were analytical. They analyzed the situation. They knew they weren't going to get their needs met, but they made the decision to move on. The right. people, the emotional people, the red, the lower right brain, said, I'm waiting for my, my parents to validate me. I'm waiting for them to tell me they love me. Until they do, I'm going to act accordingly. Right. And so and they're what, still waiting. Right, right. And, and so then what happens is, I think one of the things that you talked about, which I found really interesting, was that we have a natural style of thinking. But, exactly. But oftentimes, we really, if, if we don't get our needs met in the right way, we cover it up with other things. And so we... Yes, we, we can Right, and then we have to dig back in to find out what our natural style of thinking is. Yeah, well, what happens? Well, so notice the natural and the analytical people analyze the situation and made a decision to move on. Got it. The the sensitive people, the emotional people who need validation from the caretaker, right? Yeah, right. Continue to wait and wait until they heard it. And I asked them this one question: What happens if you were? What happens if you are never going to hear what you want to hear from the main people? What do you do? Right. And then they were stuck. They go, oh, I never thought about that. Right. Got it. So that's what you got to think. But, yeah, but, but they're just more emotional, which is fine. Right, 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 right. But they have to learn how to move on, yeah. And move on. No, no, no. I think, no, I just think it was just, I just found it so interesting because I kept asking myself, my, you know, this question to myself. I said, you know, I think I'm probably more of an analytic thinker in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to say that, but then I go... You know, you know, the truth of the matter is I may be more of an imaginative thinker, but then when I look at what frustrates the con, I, to me, what opened me up is what frustrates which quadrant. And I thought that was more uh, for me, like, you know, like, oh, okay, that's what I am. Right. That That's what frustrates if Because, right. Sometimes you, you recognize what you are by what irritates you. Right. And, yeah, and exactly. Right. And so. I found myself going, oh, well, what irritates me? And then I went, oh, well, here's what irritates me, man. What irritates me is repetition, your slow pace, uh, you're playing it safe mm-hmm. or by the book, mm-hmm. right? You're absent of humor right. and fun, right? And then all of a sudden I went, oh, you know what? I'm an imaginative thinker, right? Because the fact right, you're the, yellow. Right, right, right. Because the fact of the matter is, you know what? If you If you have an absence of a clear agenda, I could care less. Because I like to fly right. by the sea by my pants. Because <laughs> I do. Because I, I can. Isn't fly it by... wonderful to know where? You, it's yes. Wonderful to know where you stand, isn't it? It is. How you communicate. It it really is because it didn't matter. I mean, okay, so you you're disorganized. All right, so be it. Who isn't disorganized? I'm okay with that, right? But I know right. that my wife that would drive her crazy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because it's the term opposites attract. Absolutely. It's so true, <laughs> Michael. It's so true. It's so thinking true. It and, and we can't be any more opposite, you know. Like I'm, I'm six feet five. Oh, she's five go. foot five, right? I mean, there you like, go. Right. It's, it's, we like what the other person can do that we don't. It, it, it is, and it's the same thing that drives us crazy, right? It's the same coin on the opposite side, right? So what we love about them is the same thing that drives us nuts, right? And, and it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's so, it's so true. And it, and, and it only works if we appreciate their differences. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so true. So now I'm going to move on to a really touchy, touchy subject because, and I've dealt with this subject before on this show, and I've I've always said that a new direction is not afraid to when it comes to life and relationships and careers and business. 
I have never been afraid to shy away from hard subjects. And one of the subjects that you bring up in chapter four is physical and sexual abuse. And it's something that we don't want to talk about. It's something that we kind of want to ignore and turn away from it. And if anybody out there is listening and uh, we're not, Michael and I are not here to shame you. We're here to hopefully help you and enlighten you in some way. But the fact of the matter is uh, physical and uh, sexual abuse uh, occurs way too frequently in this country and in every country, but in this country in particular that we live in. And it creates a huge amount of shame. So I would love to, for you to address that to the folks who are listening in and, and, and how, they, how we can be helpful. Well, here's, here's when I've had women who've been sexually abused and men in a lot of shame, what I get, what I get them to do first is take the, take the onus off of them. We have to understand the perpetrator. Right. We have to have empathy for them because why would they do something to their own child like that? Why would not? Why wouldn't a person try to enhance their child's life? Mm. And we go back to what we talked about in the beginning. They don't know how. They too themselves are wounded, and they're so wounded that they're even willing to harm their own child, and mm. they can't see it. And for them to harm their own child tells me they're meeting their need for empowerment tragically. Does that make sense? Right. No, it does. I will even suffer. I will even sacrifice my own child to get myself my need for self-worth met. That's how bad it is. So we have to get, I get the client to understand where the parent came from, because who did something to the parent? And what happens is, as they, they say this to me, you mean to tell me I'm not a bad kid for what they didn't know? What it is is you are the kid who's paying for the pain of that particular individual. Hmm. So you mean to tell me I never did anything wrong? No, you didn't. You, you happen to be in their line of fire. Right. You happen to be born to them. So you're paying for their pain. And I keep driving that home. You're paying for their pain. Mm. Understand their pain. And, and I'm, I'm going to go a little deeper here, like the Epstein guy, right? Right. right. And the Weinstein guy from the producers. Yes. And, and, the, and the guy from Chicago. These guys, and I'm telling you off the, right off the bat, these guys have been impacted by their mothers. Right. Look how they treat women. Right. Right. They, they try to hurt women. So that, that tells me something happened to them when they were children. And to me, that tells me they was a woman because they, because look, look what they're doing to them. I'm going to over, I'm going to overpower you. I'm going to degrade you. I'm going to not allow you to control me because you, they're mirroring what happened to them. Mm. So, okay? we so are, yeah, so this is dark. Yeah, what is, but sexual abuse and physical abuse, especially, you know, dealing with this as an adult when we were children and you said mm-hmm. a word in there I do not want to skip because the, the you said something that I think is going to be a hard thing for people to really understand is how do mm-hmm. I have empathy for a perpetrator who sexually abused me or physically abused me how do I do that how do I get there okay all right so yeah so in other words you got to know where they came from you got to understand their background remember remember they're getting a need met we have and I said that before why would they do that to another human being Mm-hmm. As tragic as it is, as painful as it is, as it is, as harmful as it is, they're coming from a world of pain. And and what I've noticed is, the greater the pain, the more they're going to to cause pain to that individual, mm-hmm. and to the fact that they won't even look at what they're doing. They're just going to keep doing it over and over to hide their own pain, because basically what they're doing is telling the person they're harming is this: I want you to know what I experienced, and this is it. I want you to know what I went through. This is this is why the, perper- the perpetrators keep doing this. This is why I'm harming you, mm. okay? And if a person can understand where the other person's coming from, again, they can take that guilt and shame off of themselves one day and go, wow, it wasn't about me. And 99.9% of how people respond to other people is about the, is about the other individual. So, Michael... And, that, and, that, and that's a hard one to handle. It, it, it is a hard yeah. one to handle because... You know, you're, you know, you're, you know what you're borderline saying here, and I think you're saying it. You're not using the word, but you're actually saying that you have to forgive the perpetrator. Ooh, I have a hard time with that one yet. I'm working on that. Right. But, have, my my thing is you need to no. My thing is you need to understand them. Okay. For they know not what they do. Right, so that's how much pain they are. Right, so I mean, isn't there come a point where 
I'm not. I'm not suggesting. Doesn't there come a point where we go? <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I'm right with you. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, but isn't there a point where we have to literally, you know, say, okay, I wouldn't let let them, you know, in the car with me, but I do have to forgive them so that they're still not, right? Because lack of forgiveness is, you know, you know, drinking poison and hope the other person dies, right? I mean, that's kind of what we. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I have a hard time with what the forgiveness thing because. How can you forgive what they've done and it's still embedded in yourself? Right. 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 And so, so my, so the whole thing is, is if we can just understand it and, and know that it wasn't about you. Mm-hmm. So that's the it first never step. Was. So that's the first step in the process. Yeah. So that's first really step in the process. that's the first step in the process. So you talk about. Um, by the way, we're talking. Gosh, we're having such a good time here. I, I got to do what I've got to do. Uh, we're talking with Michael Oden. He's author of this book, When Nobody's Home. I, folks, if you haven't been listening to this conversation, this conversation has been incredibly deep and fun and interesting. And he's giving us the whys uh, to your behavior. Uh, the book, When Nobody's Home, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, your favorite bookstore. Uh, just purchased. It's available in uh, also digital versions as well. And Michael is brought to you by Inline Business Brokers and Advisors. They have been a sponsor since the very beginning for A New Direction, and they represent profitable, privately held companies with gross annual revenues in excess of a million dollars. Inline delivers the highest market value in the shortest amount of time with complete confidentiality that is their registered trademark. You can learn more by going to Enline.com. That's E-N. L-I-G-N.com and Linda Craft and Team Realtors located in Raleigh, North Carolina, but they can help you anywhere in the world, help you find the right expert to help you sell or buy your home regardless of where you're at. And you can learn more about Linda Craft and her team by going to lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com, and they bring you a new direction. And uh, today on A New Direction, we have with us um, Michael Oden. And we're we're really digging into here a little bit about if you're not ready for that and you just joined us, we've been talking actually about sexual abuse and physical abuse and and having empathy for uh, the person who did that. But I want to talk about this thing called the shame cycle because you you make a really big uh, effort to talk about shame. And I am a big I am really, really big on talking about how shame affects us negatively. And and you do the same thing here, and we both speak the same language when it comes to shame, because shame is fear, and uh, is fear based. So let's talk through the shame the shame cycle and being aware of that of the shame cycle a little bit. Well, the shame cycle has to do with how we see ourselves, and that we think we are less than. So we we tend to we'll call, we'll call it beat ourselves up. Mm. And the same cycle, it goes, it's kind of like it, it's, you grab on, you let go, you release, breathe again, you grab on, we'll call it a drug, you grab onto the drug, I don't want to do the drug, we release the drug, and then we're, we're, we're regretful, we did the drug, I'm shameful for using the drug, and then we start over again, and over and over. And it's almost like you keep beating yourself up for what you may have done in the right. past, and not, and not able to let go of that. So the same cycle, it's almost like it works for them in a tragic way. I'm a terrible person, so I deserve to be, so, so I deserve to suffer. Uh, uh. You see, you, so you have this control, release, submit, re- rebel, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like, yes. so like we, whatever the habit or the, uh, whatever, if, if it's alcohol or if it's drugs or whatever the habit is, right? Insert, insert habit you have here. We do this control thing of, I'll never do that again. You know, how many times, right. have, have, folks, how many times have you said, I am never going to do that again, <laughs> right? I, I mean, come on, we've all done, we, come on, there was something in your life, you go, I am never going to do that again, right? And so then you say to yourself, this is the release portion of it that he's talking about, how could I have done that again? How could I do that again? I can't believe, how could I do that? And then you do the submit part of it, right? I am sorry. What's wrong with me? I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm such an idiot. I'm horrible. And then we get to this rebel part where we go, well, maybe this just once. Because this is my life and the way it's going to go. <laughs> and then we go back to control again going, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do that. And then this, <laughs> and then this cycle. And, I, and when I read this, I went, oh, man, 
Michael, did you have to throat punch me with that? Really? I mean, did you? (laughs) (laughs) Because I've been there. I know what this is like. I've been there. I've done that. You know, and 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 I and you know, if we're honest with ourselves, we all do it with something where we just where we have regret of something that we did, and we go, "Why am I doing that?" Or you know, even if it's a thought process, right? We all do it. I mean, right? We 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 do, don't we? Yes, we do. We do it constantly. It could be minimal. It could be magnified ten times. But we do. There's something in our lives that that propels us to do the cycle, and it could you know and because of what was said to us back in the day. Uh, this then... And, and, that's, and we can talk about that thing called spells and curses, same thing. Right. Well, okay, let's dig into that, because I was just about to talk about when belief thought turns into pathology. So, I mean, we're, we're, headed, okay. there, we're headed there anyway, right? Because right, I mean, right, we're, right. we're headed there to the spells and curses anyway. Right, so, exactly. So, so go ahead, go ahead and elaborate on spells and curses. Okay, so spells and curses are basically statements that were said to us that frees us. So a statement could be, hey, you'll never amount to anything. You're stupid for even trying. Mm. You don't have the talent to go to college, those kinds of things, mm. and some worse. And when you hear those as a child from the main people who, who you believe care about you, they stick into our minds, and, and they freeze us. Almost, they're almost cellular to a point. Mm. And, and if that isn't um, cured, we're going to carry that, those words with us, and it's going to play out in relationships. It's going to play out in anything that we do. And this is where people sabotage a lot of things that they try to do in the future. Mm. So, Michael, believe it or not, we have been on for nearly 52 minutes, almost an hour. I thought it was, I thought it was 12. I okay. know. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. This show goes so fast. It always happens to me. It goes so fast. So I'm, 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 folks, you're going to have to buy this book. If you want to find out the, some of the, some more, the depth of this book, you're going to have to buy this book called When Nobody's Home. Michael, give us a little hope. How do we repair this? Give us something. Give give the <laughs> listeners something that goes, okay, well, Michael, I've done all this. What do I do? What What is my next step? What is the steps that I need to start recovering? I need this. Well, first step is, is becoming aware of what, what you're going through and have some understanding around it, okay? Mm-hmm. And then accept some of the things that you've done in the past and don't beat yourself up for it. Mm. The things you had to do in the past were probably survival mechanisms. They're not right or wrong. It's just your way of getting a need met for survival back in the day. And once you accept that, then you're going to have the, the, the uh, value shift where, where you could, now that you know you used to behave this way, now we're going to change it and behave a different way that's more life-affirming and life-fulfilling. Okay? Mm-hmm. Then you need to believe what you're doing, start applying what you're doing, and then transform to the person you always wanted to be. But the main thing is don't personalize it. Mm. Right. And don't personalize what your parents or, or the people who harmed you, what they did to you is because that's that's what they knew. Right. So if you're gonna, if, so if you can do those, those those basic things and then we have that in the book and I also have that in my workbook, which goes a little deeper. You can get some answers to some of the things that may be holding you back. But but also don't be afraid to make mistakes because you, you've been doing this behavior for your whole life. Now we're going to switch. It's going to take time. Yeah, because the one thing I think, and we started this way, right, is one of the things is that this is a journey, in fact. Yeah, you know, it's a journey. Exactly. And and that this isn't going to happen overnight. And no. And that we're not going to be able, you know, you know, some of you out there who are listening to my show are okay. Yes, some of you are 18 years old, and and that's awesome mm-hmm. that you're listening to my show. Some of you are 68 years old. Okay. Right. And you've been listening to this show. So, right. I mean, some of this can be a longer journey for others. Am I, am I right in that? It is. Yeah. I think the people who get it early, the 18 to 20 somethings, 30 somethings, they're, they're going to have a head start or they're going to get it earlier in their life and they get the, and they get the rewards later down the road as they, as they become whole. But if you get it later on, at least you're getting it. And then maybe you're going to experience life like you always wanted to but you never could because of the stuff you've been holding on to and did not know how to get rid of. This begs me a question that I have as I listen to you speak, and that is, how do you get us to look at our dark side? How do you get us to look at the, you know, we, we talk about the shadows and, you know, mm-hmm. and I, we didn't talk about some of that, but we do have the right. shadow for, you know, we have the archetypes yes. that you yes. talk about, but how do you get us to look at our shadow? How do you get us to look at the well, darkness? 
I, I, I've created a seven-step uh, needs-based method system for you to do that. Okay. Where you, take, where you take a step back and become aware of where you've been and not judge yourself for what you've done. That's the main thing. Don't don't blame anybody. Don't shame anyone, or especially yourself. Mm. Know that there's no right or wrong if it's getting a need met tragically or life affirmingly. And if you can do that, that's the start. And be around someone. If it's something that's really you know hurtful and dark, be it maybe you and you and you can share this this information with them. You know, share it and just be ready for and just be ready for the cathartic, uh, shall we say, purging of the pain. Mm. I've had people scream. Because they because of the pain, mm. but once they let it out, their life has been their life has been different ever since. That's awesome. You know, I normally ask my guests now, friend Michael. Uh, I I I usually ask them to, if you were to give people, um, you know, the show's called a new direction because we help people find a new direction in their life or their relationships, mm-hmm. their careers, or their business. I usually ask them, you know, if you could leave people with a new direction based on nobody's home. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and getting to know the why to your behavior, what would that new direction be from Michael Oden? <clears throat> Don't be afraid to take the first. If you if you want to change your life and there's something in your life that you don't like what you're doing and you want to do different, don't be afraid to look. Mm. Or you can be afraid, but be brave enough to look. Because wow. once you're brave and you take that first step, right? Right. Then you're on your way to the hero's journey. And then your life will be different. And then you get to come to our side of the fence and go, you're one of us now. Wow. I love it. His name's Michael S. Odom. The book is entitled When Nobody's Home. You can find it certainly on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And listen, why not check out michaeloden.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-O-D-E-N.com. By the way, it will be in the blog write-up of this show, so you'll be able to see uh, so you can click on it and see this as well. Michael, you've been outstanding. Thank you um, so much for being on the show. Uh, it's gone so way too fast, and uh, the book is outstanding, and I really am grateful that you wrote it. And so thank you from the bottom of my heart and the listeners' hearts. Thank you so much for writing this book. Uh, it's it's just simply fantastic, and it's just gonna I can just see it helping so many people. And you already did today, and I just want to thank you for that. Folks, that's the show. Uh, Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. I want to just say this, right? Be inspired, because when you're inspired, that means you can inspire other people. And in turn, that means they can inspire others, and that can make this world a great place. So, folks, join us me next week when I have another great guest who's going to help us explore something in this great world to help us find a new direction. And as I say every week, you know what it is. Ciao, everybody. Die.